He saw the generosity and the caring compassion that we had for him. And he said, I want a part of that. Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Welcome, everybody. Today we are in the land of Cambodia, a beautiful country located in Southeast Asia, sandwiched between Vietnam to the east and Thailand to the west. Before we begin today's stories, it would help to preface with some historical background to this country. The sovereign state of Cambodia has a population of over 15 million. Buddhism is enshrined in the constitution as the official state religion and is practiced by more than 97% of the population. Cambodia's minority groups include Vietnamese, Chinese, Choms, and 30 hill tribes. The Khmer Empire facilitated the spread of first Hinduism and then Buddhism to much of Southeast Asia and took many religious infrastructural projects throughout the region. Angkor Wat is the most famous of these structures and is designated as a World Heritage Site today. The darkest moment for Cambodia was the Khmer Rouge, led by Pol Pot, who took power in 1975. Estimates as to how many people were killed by the Khmer Rouge regime range from approximately 1 to 3 million. This era gave rise to the term killing fields, and the prison, Tuol Slang, became notorious for its history of mass killing. Hundreds of thousands fled across the border into neighboring Thailand. The regime disproportionately targeted ethnic minority groups. Of all the groups, the Cham Muslims suffered the most serious purges, with as much as half of their population exterminated. Today's two stories takes place in the Cham region of Cambodia, among village towns along the Mekong River. Ryan Bell, a short-term missionary nurse, is serving there at the AFM Great River Project. He's going to give us a little glimpse at the culture in rural Cambodia today and what it is like to work as a nurse there. Here is Ryan Bell. I'm going to be telling a story today called A Kite for a Shoe. People in rural Cambodia love flying kites. It doesn't matter if they're five years old or 50 years old. If you've traveled to rural Cambodia, during the month of November or December, uh, which are called the windy months in the rural language, you would see a wide array of homemade kites. You see, they take the plastic bags that are blowing across the road that have been used and thrown away, and they string them across two twigs that are tied in the shape of a cross. And then they, try, they tie a long uh, fishing line to it, and they fly these kites all day long. Just endless enjoyment with these kites. I love to watch the children play with these kites along the river as I went to pick up people for church. One day, in early December, I decided to try flying the two-line kite that I had brought with me to Cambodia. I went out to an open field near my house and... I just wanted to see if the kite would fly. It was kind of a mediocre day for kite flying, but I thought I could make it work. I opened up the kite, strung it out, and for those of you that are familiar with two-line kites, 
you know it can be kind of difficult to get the kite up into the air without a second person to toss the kite up. Well, after trying unsuccessfully for a few minutes, I drew some attention from some neighboring kids. They came running with excitement. Oh, this foreigner has a giant kite. We would love to fly this kite with him. So they ran up to me and I instructed them in my rudimentary language knowledge. Um, just just toss the kite up in the air and, uh, and I'll hold on to the ends. So they tried it. They tossed it up in the air and it quickly came back down to the ground. We tried several times to get it up into the air, but the wind was just not, not good enough that day. But I wanted to keep trying and the kids' excitement was just too much to stop. So we tried several more times and then one time the kite got up in the air. It seemed to float higher and higher and the wind seemed to uh, start dying down. So I wanted to back up. I wanted to keep the kite in the air because the kids were looking on with excitement and joy in their eyes and I wanted to keep the kite up as long as I could. I backed up a little bit more, a little bit more, oh, just a little bit longer in the air and splat, my back foot landed in the mud. Oh, I just, I didn't want the kite to fall down so I, I kept going and my shoe came off into the mud and I said, oh, I'll just get my shoe later. Kept backing up, backing up, backing up. Oh, and it was a wonderful kite flying experience. Once the kite came to the ground, I said, oh, I should go and grab my shoe before I forget where it is. I went back to the mud hole where I thought my shoe was and I couldn't see it. I saw lots of places where footprints had been entering the mud and exiting, but they were mostly from cows. I searched around in the mud uh, gingerly at first, but then I really got into it uh, with my hands and my feet, and I could not seem to find my shoe. Well, the kids uh, were very confused at first, but I pointed at my one foot with my shoe and then my other foot which didn't have a shoe and they quickly started searching with me they searched in the mud they got into the mud and they they were just getting covered in it well we couldn't find my shoe and i said well i guess that's how it goes i traded my shoe for a kite flying experience so I tried to wipe my hands off uh, when I was finished looking because they were just covered in, in mud and grass. I tried to wipe them off on the grass and one of the little girls came up to me and uh, she held out her shirt for me to wipe my hands off on her shirt. And it struck me, this child doesn't even know me. And yet she held out her shirt for me to wipe my muddy hands on. Given her shirt wasn't the cleanest, but it was such a gesture of selflessness that it struck me. It seemed like the woman who was giving her two mites in the temple, who was giving all that she had, all this little girl had was a 
partially clean shirt, but she wanted to offer that to me so that I could clean my hands after searching for my shoe. And it taught me a lesson that no matter what we have to give for God, he will take that and he will use it and he will grow it. All our righteousness is as filthy rags, but if we offer that to him, he will take it and he will give us new robes of righteousness, clean and white. I'd like to tell you another story about Bukoi, which means uncle in the local language. See, Bukoi was um, familiar with the missionaries and had met them in years past, had come to church maybe once or twice, but never consistently. Not until uh, he got an infection in his finger did he consider coming to the missionaries again. You see, the the medical coverage in Cambodia is is very difficult. You have to pay for coverage and Sometimes you don't even get very good care. Bukoy tried to go into the hospital, but they just waved him away and said, well, here's some vitamins and some painkillers, and uh, you'll, you'll get better soon. Well, the infection in his finger did not get better. In fact, it only got worse over the next two months. The infection, which is caused by uh, a bacteria that fish carry, is common with people who are fishing along the river and it starts in the nail bed and then it can grow and to eat away the flesh at the tip of the finger. Well, Bukoy started getting a little worried when the infection didn't go away. He had had these infections in the past but this one just seemed to persist and just not go away. So he thought, well, I've heard about the missionaries and they know how to fix things. They know how to um, heal people. So he contacted one of his friends that was going to church and said, can you put me in contact with the missionaries? I have this infection and I need their help. He came to church the following Sabbath and we looked at his finger, which did not look very good at all. The infection had taken over the entire tip of his ring finger. Um, myself and the other career missionary consulted each other and said, you know, we could help this man. We could actually cut away the dead tissue and potentially save what finger he has left. So we decided to schedule a surgery that we would have in the house and try and save what we could. So the following week came we had gathered all the supplies that we could. Bukoy came with his wife, a little apprehensive. But when he entered the door, we said, hey, this looks like a, an operating room, doesn't it? We had set up a table and uh, an old dentist chair on the side of the table. We set up a light that was taped to the fan so that we could see everything. And they're like, yeah, yeah, this, this does look like uh, an operating room except much different because you guys actually care about me we could already tell that this man had been changed just by our willingness to help him 
wanted to do everything that we could in order to help this man physically. We started the surgery with um, another doctor from the States FaceTiming in whenever we had questions. And as we started to cut away the dead tissue, we realized that the bone was still healthy. We thought we were going to have to amputate the entire tip of his finger off, but the bone seemed to be good and the underlying tissue was healthy. So all we had to do was cut away the dead tissue, reshape the tip of the finger and sew it back together. Well, Bukoy was so happy that he could keep the tip of his finger, he was ready to cut it off himself with a machete. But by the end of the surgery, he had the tip of his finger still intact, just a little bit shorter than before, and he was so happy, praising God the whole time. He said that the surgery was not painful, his recovery went so well, it healed up and just looked like new. God provided a miracle for Pukoi that day when he could save his finger. Not only that, but Pukoi and his wife started attending church regularly. He saw the generosity and the caring compassion that we had for him. And he said, I want a part of that. I want to be a part of a community that loves and cares for each other. We are very excited to have Bukoy attending our church now, and we are so excited to see how God works in their lives in the future. Thank you for listening to Frontier Missions Journal. We hope you were blessed. Our aim for these stories is to inspire you and to give you a deeper look into real-life Frontier Missions to unreached places. If you have enjoyed these stories, please subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or any platform which you use. If you're interested in learning more about Adventist Frontier Missions and how you can join us in bringing the gospel truth to unreached people around the world, visit us at afmonline.org. Until our next story from the field, be God's missionary wherever you are.